on maynard.com.au. AU! Everybody is sleeping with everyone because it's Bunga Bunga. Your seat of overstuffed hotness with Tim Ferguson. And Maynard. Cafe in Glebe Point Road, where there's a certain level of smugness because it seems like everybody's got a sexual partner today. They've all got sexual partners. It's what's happening in Glebe at all times. to Bunga Bunga 39, 39 episodes, 39 events, 39 cataclysms. With a show that challenges the government, the God and your very self. On today's show you'll hear... And you'll hear... There are times I must admit that we all manage to get pretty grubby. That thing over there... And Tim, what will we hear from you? Well, we won't be talking about this. You're a selfish, rude, arrogant prick. And now you know why. Tim, we have been looking at the gossip that goes on here at the Madame Frou-Frou Cafe. We didn't know that so many people here were partnered up. I know. Everybody's in love with everybody at the Madame Frou-Frou Cafe, and we are in love with them. If you haven't been to Madame Frou-Frou, that's why you have no sense of what real cool is. Where is Madame Frou-Frou, you ask? Use the Google machine. We did get some mail from Carolyn Croft, who says she's not of this country. I think she said she's not of this world. She said, what is a bunga bunga? Please teach me your ways. Tim, for everyone who always wondered what the bunga bunga thing is, you can look it up on Wikipedia, and we are actually in Wikipedia under the bunga bunga entry. Oh, oh, hello. What have we got there? Hi. Hello. Thank you. That's very nice. You're welcome. I had the lentil burger, but you're going for the big BLT blat. It's called the blat. Bacon, lettuce, tomato. There was a food incident at my place recently, Tim. Well, I don't know what to call it. Muesli gate or muesli leaks. What do you want to go with, Tim? Well, I'm going to go with muesli leaks just because it sounds more nefarious. I was having a chew on my Saturday morning muesli when what should I discover but a rock in my muesli. A rock in your muesli? I was chewing away there and I've actually chipped my lower rear molar. Oh, what kind of muesli was it? Was it that organism, organic, whatever they call it? Well, it was gluten-free, but I won't say the brand because I have complained to the brand who are going to pay the dental bill. And I've complained to New South Wales Food Authority, who'd sent a officer round to my place this morning to pick up the evidence. They've picked up the foreign object involved. The story you're about to hear is true. They have picked up the actual, oh, the lentil burger, yummy. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Thank you. So they've actually picked up all the evidence for investigation with the actual muesli company in question. This is what happens. You start going gluten-free, you start eating organisms, you're going to end up with rocks in your mouth. I had a chat to my friend Gary Kennedy, who's a meat inspector. Well, we've all been there. He said that you can have the problem with muesli because the problem with a rock in muesli is that if you've got muesli with lots of seeds in it, the rock is pretty much the identical shape and size and weight as the actual seeds. If you've got metal in your muesli from the machines, you can look through a metal detector, but a rock can get through sometimes. That's why you should just have bacon for breakfast. Pigs don't eat rocks. (laughs) Muesli leaks. It's time to eat something, so while we're having a bit of a lunch here, here's some lunchtime music. And every time I look at you, I start to shake. I start to tremble. The ground moves beneath me. Then I'll just imagine you and me going back. Just imagine you and me 
Nice music to have lunch to, Tim. Oh, yeah, I went to sleep. And we'd like to remind you, a great place, if you want some Muzak, pop along and have a listen to the Seaberg 1000 Background Music Channel. Seaberg, that's S-E-E-B-U-R-G 1000.com. You'll hear music like this. You're listening to the best of the Seaberg 1000 Background Music Library. They bought the Muzak that you would have heard in US supermarkets in the 60s, Tim. Oh, man, it just makes me want to buy cornflakes, all of them. Imagine wandering around looking for Omo. It was new then, it's new now. Good name too, Omo. Really have people running along just texturing a little H in front of it. (laughs) Really? Is that what they did? Well, what does that spell? I don't understand. (laughs) What makes Blue Omo Australia's number one? It's the brightness. There are times, I must admit, that we all manage to get pretty grubby. Let's have a bit more from the Seaberg 1000 easy listening machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's so clean, it's so fresh, I went to sleep again. We were dealing with the thorny issue of Carolyn Croft writing to us to ask about Bunga Bunga. You can look up Bunga Bunga on Wikipedia. You'll see us as the most current entry, but there's a whole stack of things. People ask us this a lot, Tim. So what's the easiest and best way to explain where we got the name Bunga Bunga from? Our version is, of course, the, the joke about the guy who gets stranded on a deserted island and then the chief comes up. The tribes people come up and they give him a choice. The chief says, you can have death or you can have Bunga Bunga. And he says, uh, oh, hang on, uh, what is Bunga Bunga? And the chief says, it's... Well, that's a funny way to put it. And the guy <laughs> says, oh, well, I suppose that'll be all right. Yes, I will take Bunga Bunga. And the chief cries out to his people, death by Bunga Bunga. I've just been reading the Teen Vogue guide to... And it has a separate section for people who own prostates and people who don't own prostates. And you have to vogue while you're doing it? I guess you could. I can't see why you couldn't. Come on, vogue. Come on, vogue. Let your body move to the music. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, vogue. And it's got some nice diagrams there. In fact, we will link to that in the show notes. I always learned something. I didn't know there was a connection between fashion magazines and that thing. Bunga Bunga News. Tim, what's been going on in the world of Ferguson? We just bash on stage, and then after an hour, we bash off. I think some people thought the whole wheelchair thing was some sort of prop. They did, and maybe they still do. It's a damn good wheelchair. Why would I buy a wheelchair that expensive? But it's always good to know that people are still out there being sceptical about the comedy acts that they watch, like Arj Barker. Is he really called Arj? If you want to have a look at the comparison between the Doug Anthony All-Stars audience and the Arj Barker audience, have a look at the video I made of you guys at the Enmore Theatre and you can see them coming out of the Arj Barker audience, I think, beforehand. You can compare the two audiences. Very different. Arj obviously has a quality audience, whereas we have ruffians. We've got ruffian girls, ruffian boys. Most of them don't even bathe, but that's what we like. We like the smell going both ways. Arj Barker, he likes the people that will listen to the humour. You like to encourage troublemakers. You want people that ask why. I know it's funny, but I want to know why. 
they ask questions like that as heckles. <laughs> what do you mean, they ask? And is that a thing someone asked us in Toowoomba? Zagathion Sars, the Oleander Tea of comedy. That's right. Get it, India. Big news, I'd like to thank some people that have come on as Patreon supporters. That's big news in my world. I want to thank Tony, Stephanie, Michelle and Penny. Wonderful people, one and all. They were going to be cast as the Spice Girls. But apparently they were just too flavoursome. Malcolm Turnbull has said that the Liberal Party was never called the Conservative Party and shouldn't be confused as such. You're the one with the political brain here. What's going on? When they called it the Liberal Party, they meant to be liberalised towards business. Everybody can have their own small shop. And for a while, everyone in Australia, everyone had their own small shop and no customers. They were all selling OMO with an H and it didn't work out. Paul Malcolm should have done this two years ago when he took over the party. Instead, he's allowed Abbott to just keep white-hanting him the whole way, to the point where he has to give a speech, even still without mentioning names, about what he thinks is the winning strategy, which is moderation as opposed to right-wing ding battery. That kid? What kid? I don't know of any kid. No! I still think that it was really poor form to boo Hillary when she lost. She was having a tough time anyway. She had to give a very difficult speech. She couldn't even do it on the night because she was worried he was going to be there. I think that's the reason she didn't concede on the night. And then when she did, he was waiting for her. I mean, we could all hear it. You represent the best of America, and being your candidate has been one of the greatest honours of my life. But he won't do that to Trump, will you, you little guy? Will you? Too scared to do it to Trump. The country is doing very well. Strongest stock market ever. Uh, we have a fantastic leader. It's going to do a really great job. He'll order everybody else in the stadium to get that kid. Trump is surrendering world supremacy and influence to Russia and China without even knowing it. And that makes Trump either a man who is stupid or is very smart and really doesn't care. Well, you're sure maybe it isn't just part of his America First policy where he doesn't want to be interventionist in overseas things and doesn't want to play on the world stage as the world's policeman. Do you think it's more deliberate? Well, certainly I think there is something to that. And most of his voters don't like the idea of America being the world cop. America is, whether they like it or not, morally superior to virtually all of the superpowers and has to start acting like it. It's funny that his son, Donald Jr., just got his bell end crushed in the cutlery drawer (laughs) for accidentally, on purpose, not mentioning that he had met with a Russian official who had promised to offer the dirt on Hillary. Oh, but everybody does that. Well, everybody does that, but then admits they did it. What's your theory? Do you think the Russians have had the finger in the volevant? Oh, yeah, definitely. And everybody knows it. And the Russians know that Vladimir denied it to Donald because why wouldn't you? You've got two world-class liars in a room together. They're going to allow each other to bullshit each other. And how do you think Malcolm Turnbull... I I didn't even know he was at the G20. I didn't even see... I didn't even know he was there. He actually even got to ride in The Beast, which is Donald Trump's presidential vehicle. I would have thought that it would be a great chance for Australia to give just one quick brown eye, a bit of pressed ham on the window as you race past the world's media. 
We must push this campaign you've been doing for End of the Hell. Your video has gone up on uh, Facebook. Tell us a bit more about it and what people can do. The trouble in Australia at the moment, and I'm only speaking for MS patients, young people with MS in their 20s, uh, predominantly women, once they've lost the option of staying in a hospital, are being put in old care homes. There are many old care homes with great services, great people, but they are not built for what young people need, which is other young people. What happens is you have a young woman in her 20s who is put in a building that is full of people with dementia. We've got to stop this. Young people with those kind of disabilities have to be able to at least stay somewhere with people who understand them, listen to their music and get where they're coming from. What can people do? They can sign the petition for Help in the Hell and also I think you can make a small donation just to kick that campaign along. The people running it are the MS Australia people who do a great job. What's the website address, Tim? Helpendthehell.com. But I heard an interesting conspiracy theory this week. I think it might have even been on the No Agenda show that Stephen Hawking has had ALS now for 52 years, which is a bit of a record. People don't normally live that long with that. That's a long time with ALS. What's it stands for? Amyotropic lateral sclerosis. That old chestnut. 52 years with it is a bit longer than people usually are able to survive with it. So there's a bit of a clue that, well, since he's got the recorded voice, maybe he's not there and someone's actually speaking for him. He also married a nurse. That might help as well. Although if I was her, I wouldn't put up with it. You'd ask him something, you'd have to wait for him to type it out. And and if you waited to type it out and it turned out to be something sarcastic, that would really make him mad, wouldn't it? Oh, and we've all seen Family Guy, Stephen Hawking making sweet love and talking dirty. Oh, yes. Uh, All you Stephen Hawking fans out there, crank mail. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. Tim, I think there's some sort of marsupial or some sort of animal urinating there. You would think it would be a marsupial. But in fact, it is the great rhinoceros. That's right, the great rhinoceros of the savannas of Africa. It's just that they are rather delicate and have very small pissoirs. They're hung like hell, bud. Oh, they're hung like hell until you get to the pointy end. Let's have a listen again. Yeah, yeah, see, you can hear the horn. You can even hear the horn. We'll start with Grant McCarran. Bit of a dark one here. He wants to know what happened to MH370. Obviously, you know something we don't know. And that's typical Grant to have information that he refuses to share. So I will tell you what happened to those aeroplanes if you do first. I might have actually uncovered something that points to the moon landing hoax. You know, I was telling you the other day that I was watching some live feed footage from the moon from Apollo 15 or Apollo 16, one of them. One of the astronauts is undoing a table where they've got all their stuff and he undoes the bolts for it and throws them away. And they hit the side of the lunar module and they go bang. They go bang like... But isn't space in a vacuum, Maynard? That's the thing that I can't quite figure out because if they're hammering something in to the ground, you can get a bit of transmission of the physical banging of the the mallet onto something and that can come up through the air that's in their spacesuit to the microphone. So you could get transmission of sound that way. But if you're standing a couple of metres away from the limb and something bangs up against it, you shouldn't get any transmission of sound. But the limb had microphones inside, so maybe just the banging, even though it was a vacuum, the banging of the spaceship sent a vibration through that shook the membrane of the microphone. That is possible. I've been having a look online and I can't see anyone talking about this thing one way or the other. All I can think is it's something new that's come up. Or it's been covered up. 
it's being covered up because if you were a superpower with the capability of going to moon and coming back, why would you? Why would you do that when you can easily fake it and silence over 100,000 people and swear them to secrecy? I'll put a link to that, but I must warn you, it's in the, right in the middle of a whole lot of other stuff. There'll be a link to that on the show notes. Frank Mail! Richard Saunders, he sent us an email. Richard Saunders, he was listening to Bunga Bunga 38 in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Wow, that's a great place to do it. Why not be on the beat when you're listening to Bunga Bunga? If you listen to Bunga Bunga in somewhere interesting or even somewhere not so interesting, we'd just come along to the Bunga Bunga Facebook page and drop a note in. We'd like to know what you're doing and say hello to you because we're all one big Bunga Bunga in this world, aren't we? You bet we are. And in fact, you might actually want to plan something. Yeah. So get Bunga Bunga, download it, put it in your earphones and go somewhere where you're not allowed to listen to Bunga Bunga. Kath Reed, a recent Patreon person who's joined us. Kath Reed writes, getting around Sydney in a moon boot, she must have a foot issue where she's got the big boot on there, they call a moon boot. She said it's really hard to get around Sydney because of its pavement. How hard is it to get around Sydney with all these cobblestones and uneven footpaths in a wheelchair, Tim? I replied to her and said it's not too hard, but then again, I'm pushing you around. If you were having to do it by your arms, it'd be a lot more difficult because I'm just using brute force to go through stop signs and propel you into the middle of the street. But when you're on your own, Tim, what's it like? Well, it can be very tricky. Even just one inch as a thing to get over, the wheelchair just won't do it. It needs to be levered. You have to push the pedal on the back, which will turn it into a lever, and then you get lifted up. So, no, Sydney's not working, but I have to say, it's nothing compared to Edinburgh. City of cobblestones. Everywhere you go, cobblestones. Our hotel is only maybe 100 yards away from our venue in Edinburgh, but we get a cab. Wow. It's that bad. It's not built for people in wheelchairs. But the good thing is, when it was built, there were no people with disabilities. Because they would either be put away or dead. Or they would be sent to England. You say uneven footpaths. Well, naturally, most footpaths are built on a very slight rake. And the reason for that is that so the rainwater runs into the gutter. That is a civil engineering thing, because if you don't do that, you end up having the water pooling on the footpath. You've got to get rid of the rainwater, but yet you've got people that are trying to navigate it in wheelchairs. I hate those people. I hate them. Get someone to push you. We still have to do our Glebe Point Road Challenge, don't we, Tim? Yeah, we certainly do. It's quite a steep hill, but I reckon we can make it to the bottom one way or the other. Hey, what was our record? I remember last time I pushed you down Glebe Point Road, there was over 20 people that we got to wave to us, didn't we? Everybody was waving. You know, they're kind of happy to see two guys with a wheelchair getting along in life, doing our best, trying to make the world smile. Trying to make a difference and then relaxing. Of course, that kid didn't help. That lousy kid. Oh, come on! He was able to actually upset Batman. How many people can upset Batman? I have a feeling the terrible tide of adverse public opinion may soon engulf our caped crusader. Gosh, Bruce, did you hear that? Nothing has ever cut me so deeply to the quick. No blow ever struck by any arch-villain has ever hurt me so acutely as that little boy's boo. It's a brave kid, a brave kid who heckles Adolf Hitler. Dass man das nicht mehr auflösen kann und dass jeder Druck die Menschen nur hart macht. But there he was. To be fair, he was up the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was shorter than everyone else. He was shorter, and everybody thought it was Hitler. 
That's one thing he's done that's good. Crank mail! Sir Gavin Warren writes from Cairns, where you were recently. He wants to know what's the most unusual thing the Doug Anthony's have had to sign in their career of signing things. And the reason he asked this is because he was working for the Australian Federal Police once at Melbourne Airport and had all three of you guys sign the inside of his Australian Federal Police hat. And that's probably fairly ordinary. I'm sure you've signed a few of them in your time, Tim. I bet that guy got into trouble. It's like writing on a dollar bill. You're not allowed to just hand over your police hat and have it signed by three comedians wandering in airports. What's the inside? That's true, but either way, I put him up on charges. Get him up. Hold him up against the wall. Put the hose on him. What has been the most unusual one you've got? I know a lot of people like you to sign their tattoos and things like that. Well, you can see I was evading Maynard because we have signed some very strange things for people. We signed once an inflatable sheep. And in fact, we didn't just sign it, we drew it skeleture, skeleton, you know, that thing. That sounds like a regional gig. Yeah, we drew it skeleton and also some of its, um, yeah. its offal and signed it. And that ended up in the hands of Dom Romeo, comedy oh. king. But the strangest one I've signed was a guy's stump. He had a right arm stump. It only went down to above the elbow and he wanted that signed and I signed it. But perhaps one of the cruelest signings. Oh, here we go. Is where a guy in Adelaide came up and said, saw my forehead, saw me on the forehead, sign it on the forehead. And we didn't have to think for very long before we knew which word, exactly which word would fit best onto his forehead in indelible ink. Did you write in the first, third person, second person? How did you write it? No, we just used the word. It's a very blunt word. It's used all over the world, and many, many, many people have one. Time to have a look in Maynard's Bugout Bag. What's in Maynard's Bugout Bag? We've both got something in the Bugout Bag this time round, Tim. Mr Saunders, he came back from the US. He gave me a classic doll from Batman series Catwoman and of course that's Julie Newmar as Catwoman we got there we know that because she's got the red hair isn't that cool you're very beautiful Catwoman yes you're quite right I am I mean it's me and you against the world oh what about Robin well I have him killed that is totally cool. I don't think Richard knew how much that thing is worth when he handed it over. What did he bring you back? He bought me a fridge magnet Donald Trump sticker thing. Mm. And, of course, we all looked at it and thought, how ironic. But, of course, all it says is President of the United States, Donald Trump. You have to bring your own irony with you. It's on my fridge right now, smiling, smiling, smiling. I saw Kittler staring at it while he was having a bit of his dry food. He had one eye on that. What do you think Kittler was thinking as he looked at Trump? I think he was thinking there's only room in this house for one ginger. That's what's in our bug out bag. Tim, time to put you into history now. It's time to put you in the time tunnel. That show, Time Tunnel? Two American scientists are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during the first experiments on America's greatest and most secret project... The time time. 
Oh, yeah, I loved it when they went back to ancient Roman times. Two guys in skivvies in ancient Rome. You've got to get into it. And I remember when you were hosting that on the TV one, on the sci-fi thing I was writing for you, we were never short of material with it. Imagine being lost in time wearing only a skivvy. It was like black wiggles in time. Lee Merriweather, who played one of the Catwoman, she was one of the sexy scientists in that. She was kind of mother, searching Always looking just at a blank wall, I think, hoping, hoping to make contact with the two nitwits who jumped into a time machine without coordinates. Those were Mexican uniforms, weren't they? Yes. Do you have a fix on the year? 1836, but I don't have the month and the day. And get on the computer. I want a list of every military action the Mexican army engaged in for the year 1836. Yes, sir. She was a smart scientist too. I bet you she was the one that before they even threw the switch the first time, you could hear out the back going, are you sure? And that lousy kid in that series. Tony Newman and Doug Phillips now tumble helplessly toward a new fantastic adventure somewhere along the infinite corridors of time. Boom! Turns out he was right for a change. Well, yeah, he really was. I think it was after just a couple of seasons, they took it out of the back, patted it on the head, gave it a little dog biscuit and <laughs> shot it. The Time, Tim. Saturday, the 23rd of November, 1923. I know where this is going. Don't you, dear listener? We both know where this is going. The place, the Smiths Weekly Building in Phillip Street, Sydney. It's going to the Smiths Bill. Okay, if you want to go there, are we going to do this, Maynard? Are you serious? Are we really going to do this? It's the first night of radio broadcasting in Australia. 2SB is about to go on air for an evening of broadcasting. Tim, you're in charge of the first radio broadcast ever in November 1923 in Sydney, in Australia. What do you program for Australia's first night of radio ever? Well, I think we hear a little bit of Wagner. just to wake the place up. But then I would say a rousing speech, a rousing speech from the future, a little bit of Donald Trump explaining the world this way. With a very controversial situation, there's been very little controversy, which is pretty amazing by itself. That way, we would have at least had some warning what was coming. That was the first time there was a broadcast. The sad thing is it took Australia several years to actually get radios, but, man, they broadcast the hell out of that. Leading up to that, of course, the newspapers all told you how to build your own crystal set so people could have built their own crystal set at home rather cheaply. And newspapers are going to have to turn to manufacturing their own crystal just to be able to stay alive. The recent Media Watch program effectively gave newspapers as they stand now two years to live. I would have given them five, two, probably. Paul Barry had interviewed a bunch of young people in the street and all of them said, why would I pay for a newspaper? I can just look at my phone and I can get it off the web. This shows that this generation really are perhaps as dumb as our generation or they're getting there because who do they think is going to be writing the journalism two years from now that they are freely accessing? Hmm? I'll give you thinking time. You can't aggregate something if there's nothing to aggregate from. Yeah, so eventually they're just going to be reading blogs as if they're filled with facts. The only advice I can give to whatever they call young people, let's call them young people, is think ahead. Start using your brain and maybe stop being so stingy, you fat middle-class goats. Wow!
what they did do on the 23rd of November, 1923, on 2SB, which later became 2BL, by the way. 2BL, one of the great unlistenable stations. If you want to hear alarmist reports about the weather, that's the station to go to. All you old people are going to die because it's going to be cold. It's like the guy who runs around in uh, HR Puff and stuff. Alarm, alarm, alarm. Witch raid! Witch raid! To take cover, everyone! The program director is HR Puff and stuff, which is a problem. You've got that big head on, you can't hear what he's saying. Oh, little Jimmy, with your metaphorical flute. Even one thing about it, it's diversity, because you don't know whether HR Puff and stuff is actually male or female. That's true, it's never really spelt out. We know he's from Texas. We've got to do something about it. Dr. Blinky, isn't that new anti-witch potion of yours ready yet? Well, what they did on the Saturday, 23rd November 1923, the first Australian radio program from Smith's Weekly Building in Phillips Street, Sydney, the program consisted of classical music, popular music, My poor canary has circles under his eyes. Stock exchange reports. Well, let's get out the old stock ticker and have a look. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. News, weather, and what was described as talks aimed at women about fashion and personal hygiene. They had very little idea of where it exactly was, and still less of how to get there. One of them said, quite frankly, that she knew it came somewhere between Constantinople and China. Wow, that's a pretty good radio broadcast. Didn't they have what Kyle and Jackie O have? Can you describe this sound? Didn't they do that? Now they didn't do the secret sound. Oddly enough, we are not going to stop broadcasting. They didn't think of talkback. They could have saved themselves a lot of effort programming. Oh, just ring us and tell us what you think. Or they could have read out tweets. Basically, that's what they do on ABC News 24. They just read out tweets all the time. And it's very effective, Maynard. It's very effective. May I recommend the tweet blocker, which is a little bit of cardboard about 10 centimetres high and it goes along the bottom of the TV. Just put that there and you never have to read viewers' tweets on Q&A ever again. Wow. So we don't hear from the idiots. It's also good during the news too because you've got to guess who's talking because you can't see who's named. That's weird. What if it was one of the Bryans and we didn't know? Think of it as an ad blocker except it's physically blocking the bottom part of your television, the bottom third. Also on that first radio broadcast, there was bedtime stories for children told by Mr Sandman. When you look upwards, you tend to get that sexy just got out of bed look. So Steve Abbott was involved somehow. He is timeless. What a talent. It's quite a strange thing that it would have something that media has lost, which is that moment on television, which regional TV used to always have, mm. which is, here comes Captain Cat to tell you kids good night. Good night. And all the kids would go running off. It still does. In Newcastle, you will see that. Big dog in Newcastle, which is a terrifying thing. Imagine if you're a child and a big dog comes into your bedroom and tells you to go to bed. I guess you'd do what you're told, but... Well, boys and girls, Big Dog's had another exciting day. Perhaps it's time for Big Dog to say goodnight to all his friends and go to bed. Yeah, you go straight to sleep and live in terror until the morning. And for a while, I think it was on Channel 10 regionally, they had the workers, which was a group of people, like a young version of village people, and there was a nurse involved, and it was with tradies, and they'd basically come in and put you into bed. And that would have been a bit frightening as well. We're the workers. And what a wonderful day it's been today. Oh, we're all so tired, and it's time for bed. 
That'd be totally terrifying. Although it does make me think that we should have an option in or out of educating our children. Think of all the stupid kids you, dear listener, had in your class. Do you really think that they needed to be educated? How many years, 13 years, people go to school for, and most of them still cannot spell the difference between your, your, and your. Actually, it might be handy if around about 11, 30, 12 o'clock you have someone go on, OK, everybody who's smoking it, doobie, everyone who's on the crack pipe, perhaps you should put it down and think about what you've got to do tomorrow. And we have a big dog right here <laughs> to make you think <laughs> about Fuck a big dog. I'll believe it. It's a police dog and it knows what's in your pockets. Bunga bunga. Bunga bunga 39. Tim has got something he really needs to get out of his soapbox and put in front of your very eyes. It's time for Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question that nobody asked. Don't expect too much. The Melbourne police are into shooting people at a swingers party now, Tim. I think maybe there's other ways you could discourage people from going to them. You certainly could. For example, putting a go-away sign or closed sign on the door. This was just terrible. We had, obviously, rookie Melbourne police people. Well, unfortunately, it was the critical incident team was involved here, the ones that are actually supposed to be good at this kind of thing, and there was 40 of them. There were 40 of them turning up to a nightclub to a costume party to shoot a guy dressed as the Joker who was having sex with, was having sex with someone dressed, as Harley, dressed as Harley Quinn. Let's just go through this. I've got to be there for the inquest. This happened 30 seconds after they entered the club and only seven seconds after they saw him. So that's not really a long time, is it? We understand that all of our police forces are at very high alert all the time ever since we had that terrible incident in Martin Place. But Jesus God, it's a guy having sex dressed as the Joker. You might want to slap the guy. You might want to poke him in the eye and tell him to take a good hard look at himself with the other one. But this seems like an overreaction. We're going to get more and more of them as time goes by. I don't know why they didn't liaise a bit more with the security staff. But of course, you've got to think the security staff are those guys I was talking about before who can't spell the difference between your, your and your. So if you said, is there trouble in the building? Yes or you're no, they would say, because you lived in Victoria for many years. Have the Victoria Police got form in the area of shooting people more than any other state police in Australia? Well, they certainly shot their mouths off. I was at a pizza bar on St Kilda Road one evening, and you know, there are just people sitting out on the footpaths. Everybody's eating pizza. Young rookie cop came up and charged one of the customers who was just talking to his friends for using the C bomb just in private conversation. What you've got to do? You can't say no, I didn't. Uh, the guy didn't do that. He just has to eventually front up in front of the magistrate, either apologise, pay a fine or fight it. I'm not sure how it worked out. They certainly need to retrain them, not only in spelling your, your and your, but in telling what's a crime and what isn't. And this week, Tim, is there anyone you think you would have personally liked to have tasted if you'd had the opportunity this week? Ivanka Trump. Sitting there next to the world's most powerful people, as if she, the person who has stated clearly she has no interest in politics, had anything to offer. I think it's great that chicks get out there and they're pushing their way through the glass ceiling, but to then sit at a table between the Premier of China and the Chancellor of Germany 
does seem like a little bit of overreaching. Certainly someone who's interested in politics would have been handy at that point. I wonder if she actually had to say anything or contribute to what was going on. She did say things like, oh, that's nice. And why? My husband has one just like that. Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. What a show we've had here. Right now, we want to thank our Patreons. These are the people that support us, and you've heard the show. We need support. We'd like to thank Panda Paws, Nick Andrew, Andrew Waddington, Peter Young, Natasha Critter, Frankie Lee, Norman Fox, Richard Wright, Mel Whedon, James Javina, Gregory Duralis, Tony Eels, Stephanie Spears, Penny Obede, F. Carmichael. We don't know what the F stands for, but it's got a lot of Carmichael in it. Christy Shields, Katie, Lindley Kissick, Craig Walker, Katrina Hale, Andy Zagami. Andy Zagami listened to all his albums. I do all of his yoga moves. And I bought that mat that he told me to, which rolled up under my bed. We really appreciate the financial support of Emily Short, Jeremy Kirkwood, Daniel, John Spud, who is a Dalmatian, Danny Matthews, Jody Sutcliffe. Jody Sutcliffe, a very special person, very close, dear friend of not only me, but of all people on earth. Howard Lovett, Grant McCarran, Rachel Dunlop, Dr. Reggie, Shell Lancaster, Leonie Lynch, Mark Kirby, Dana H, Kath Reed, Nick McCarty, Michelle Ham, one of our new people there. By the way, Michelle Ham reads a lot and read my book. Gave it a rave review, of which I cannot approve. Gave it a rave review. So thanks very much for Michelle. And thanks also for parting with a bit of your hard-earned to keep Bunga Bunga in the Bunga. Patreon.com forward slash Maynard. Some of the people who've stuck with us through thick, thin and medium-sized. Sue Weldon, Sammy Satine, Eva James, Daryl Adams, David Hickey, Sinful Rella Eva, that paragon of humanity who lives in Shepparton. Rebecca Jones, Tony Eels, Stephanie Spears, Michelle Ham, and Penny Obede of the Obedes. Yes, we mentioned them twice because they're our new people and we thank you. I was really buoyed by that to see some more people have joined us. It made me think, well, I'll keep doing this. Oh yeah, we love doing this thing and it really helps that you really help. Bunga Bunga 39, the show that's turned the world upside down and make people look at their world once again and wonder what they're doing with their life. What am I doing with my life? We are not going to stop broadcasting. I'm going to take my Catwoman doll and go home and play with it. Let's throw caution to the winds. Well, we know what Maynard's doing with his life. He's spending it well. This has been Bunga Bunga. I'm Tim Ferguson. And I'm na 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 Maynard. Bunga Bunga. Bunga Bunga.
Could you say that, please? Yeah, bang bang. Thank you. Bang bang. On maynard.com.au. Hey, you! Bryson and Hume. Everything digital.